Hello and welcome to Sisters Who Stan, the podcast that takes a deep dive into the stories and shows that made us and explores the questions they've left us asking. I'm Emma. And I'm Bridie. Buckle in as we prepare to celebrate the weird and wonderful world of fandom. So hello and welcome to episode, well, we're not entirely sure. We think this is going to be episode seven. (laughs) Um, We actually had a completely different episode planned for this week. But after receiving the same request from a few different listeners, we've decided to do a bit of a U-turn and change things up, which means this episode might be a bit shorter than usual, but we'll see if it pans out that way. But we wanted to respond to the phenomenon that is Draco Top. (laughs) Anyone with a TikTok account will probably have noticed a trend emerging over the last few weeks. Harry Potter fans have been creating content involving a particular Slytherin, which have gone pretty viral. For anyone who doesn't know what Draco Talk is, mm-hmm. do, you, do you want to sum up what most of the TikToks kind of like look and feel like? They're basically very <laughs> thirsty. They're very thirsty. Um, I'm not sure why this, where this has been born from. <laughs> well, look, we don't know why this has happened. They're very thirsty, but you know what? They're also very creative. They are. I mean, like, I'll be honest, when I watch the films, maybe it's because we were just so blindsided by obsessing over Harry and Ron, but Malfoy... <laughs> Draco didn't, oh. didn't do it for me. He I didn't really for me either. I had pangs of being like, oh yeah, maybe he's good looking, but I was far more bothered about Rom. Yeah, well, same, far more bothered about Harry. However, now researching this episode, I feel like my eyes have been opened to like a side of Draco that I potentially didn't really. Well, he's conflicted, isn't he? And we've talked about that before in our first episode about Kylo Ren, you know, whether a person's gone too far to be redeemed. But I mean, it's weird looking back at something with new eyes when I'm looking back at it and he's like 17 or something. <laughs> yeah, we'll disclaimer um, that we're talking about fancying Draco Malfoy from 16 onwards. Which still doesn't sound much better, but... Uh... <laughs> it doesn't sound much better, but honestly, I didn't fancy Draco. And I haven't fancied Draco until now. You know, when I'm watching all of these thirsty TikToks, they're, they're doing their job very well because now I'm like, hmm. <laughs> Maybe, maybe I do want a bit of Malfoy. <laughs> yeah, the TikToks are very persuasive. I mean, I've seen lots of ones that involve mixed up ties. So they're like, hey, you're not in that house. Why are you wearing that tie? And they're like, oh, I left my stuff in Draco's room. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I've also seen quite a few love triangles between Cedric and Draco. Mm, that's the one I've seen quite a lot. The kind of good guy, bad guy thing. Yeah. Did you see the TikTok that Tom Felton actually commented on? Yes, I did. And it actually isn't a Draco TikTok. It's a girl mm-hmm. watching him in, I mean, I don't know what the series is. Do you know what the series is called? Um, It's Murder in the First. Yeah. And Tom Felton's topless and he's being very sexy. And then it just cuts to this girl screaming into her pillow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Tom Felton's commented on it saying, Oh, this is the first Draco talk I've seen. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And obviously people have gone wild. I mean, that must have been really funny for him to suddenly be like, oh, there's a resurgence with um, Draco. Yeah. Well, it would be like if Adam Driver joined TikTok and suddenly commented on like Kylo Ren videos. Could you imagine? I think people might actually die. I mean, lose their minds. Yeah. I actually don't think it would be good for anyone if that happened. <laughs> No, maybe not. And I think maybe Draco Talk has been like fueled a bit even more by Tom joining TikTok. Yeah, and he's posted loads of great videos of him singing. Um, Him joining TikTok's been quite a big deal. Yeah, it's been a really big deal. Um, And I'm loving all of his music on there. I think my favourite video he's done, though, is him trying to change the weather with a wand. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What a legend. I know, it's really cute. 
I like the one of him singing the King's song from Hamilton. That was fun. Oh, yeah. I tell you what, I never really fancied Draco, but Tom Felton, on the other hand. <laughs> oh, yeah. I definitely fancy Tom. And I think actually, when we're going to talk about his redemptive arc, I think it's part of his performance. I think Tom performed mm. such a rounded character that perhaps the character that was written was kind of made more human than was necessarily imagined. I'm not saying that she didn't mm. write a rounded character, but there's a lot of people being like, JK's got something against him. She never liked him. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of people feel like he deserved more of a redemption arc than Snape. Yeah. But before we go there, um, something else I want to say about Tom. I mean, we both watched his Superfans documentary, didn't we? Yeah, it was great. He comes across as such a nice guy. And watching the earlier clips of Malfoy, what really struck me was, God, you're a young teen boy. There's lots of scenes where he's very moany and weak. Mm. Like when he faints, Buckbeak and Hagrid's carrying off and he's like, oh, my father will hear about this. <laughs> Bloody chicken, I think he says. Yeah, and I just think... You know, obviously to us, Harry Potter was super cool, but actually as a teen boy, and I've seen clips of him in interviews being like, you know, people made fun of me for that. It's not when you're a young teen actor playing the baddie, but you're also playing someone who's a bit of a rich daddy's boy. Mm, I can see what, uh, yeah, I see what you mean. With Buckbeak though, I wouldn't have a good reaction personally. This is the <laughs> part of me that people won't like. <laughs> I'm like, that's a huge fucking chicken with big <laughs> cow legs. <laughs> Me and Malfoy can go for a butterbeer <laughs> and you all can ride the big chicken. Um, yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, Bridie uh, really doesn't like animals. It's not that I don't like animals. She hates animals. I don't. I just, I don't like big cows, mm. horses, things that could break my ribs with a kick, basically. Cows kill more mm. people a year than sharks do. And I'm just going to leave that out there. Though I think I've already said that fact before. <laughs> Well, I know last time we were in Devon, we um we tried to walk through a field that had some cows in it and we we had to make a sort of form a protective circle around Bridie. I almost had a panic attack. I know. I mean, it it was a bit funny though. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad. I mean, we were all laughing um, and we were just sort of going to walk through the field, but then Bridie was suddenly like, this isn't funny. It wasn't funny. And I would have sacrificed any of you to the cows in order so that I could just leave that field. Yeah, so you're with Malfoy on that one. Yeah, I don't want to hang out with Buckbeak, personally. You know, that's fair enough. When we meet Malfoy, he's actually quite interested in being Harry's friend initially, isn't he? Mm, yeah, and I mean, a lot of people say his behaviour that came after that was from his kind of jilted pain. Yeah, his unrequited love. Yeah, unrequited friendship. Because he never really has proper friends. He has cronies, but they're all kind of play dates mm. that were set up with other families who are interested in like pure blood supremacy. <laughs> yeah, and Harry really rejects that, so. For good reason. And Malfoy is clearly a dickhead. Yeah, although obviously a product of his environment. Yeah, I think at that age, it's fair enough to be like, you know, going to school for the first time, you'd be really scared. So you probably just lean into whatever protection you have. So being like, mm. ugh, the Weasleys. He's just kind of repeating what his parents have said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a way to protect yourself. He's got an inferiority-superiority kind of complex. Like, nobody is deserving of my friendship mm. while secretly looking in the mirror and being like, why would anyone want to be my friend? <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless him. Yeah, he's quite a bit messed up and uh, mm. a bit of a, well, a lot of a bully. Yeah, it's hard, like... Thinking about the idea of having, you know, him having a redemptive arc, he is so horrible throughout the books, particularly to Hermione and all of the slurs and everything. He's really vicious and regurgitates that pure blood supremacy talk a lot. Mm, yeah, he does. So what are your thoughts about 
people feeling like he deserved more of a redemption arc than Snape? Like, how do you think they compare? So I would have loved to see it because I love that kind of thing. But I was reading some different opinions to try and figure out how I felt. Mm, Yeah, that's what I do. I'm like, I'm not sure where I stand on this. I'm going to, you know, just read what a lot of people think. Yeah, well, I'll read you the opinions that I've been drawn to. So there was one piece by Sydney Hale from the Utah Statesman. And she's talking specifically about Snape and Malfoy. And she says, Rowling is adamant that Malfoy didn't deserve a redemption arc because there was never a heart of gold underneath his pompous act. Yet she gave that redemption to a character she said was morally grey, a man who bullied children and killed because of a girl he rejected him years before. Mm. So on the one hand, Malfoy is a kid when he gets wrapped up in all of this. I was reading a thing on Pottermore called The Chapter That Made Us Fall In Love With Draco Malfoy, and it talked about the scene where he doesn't identify Harry at Malfoy Manor. Yes. Which Great is kind scene. Of, yeah, which is important. But then... Emma Lord, who we've quoted before, um, she wrote in a Bustle article and talked about Draco's redemption. And she made some really good points. She said, A lot of people were upset that Draco was never redeemed in the books. We're all so used to the satisfaction of the modern day three-dimensional bad guy coming full circle and realising that he's wrong. And there was nothing definitive in the book quite like that. I can't really fault J.K. Rowling for deciding to go the realistic route with her villains. Very few of them admit their wrongness. We get Dudley kind of sort of apologising and we get Draco nodding curtly at Harry at the train station in the epilogue. But that's it. That's also real life though, you know? I can see how they might want to try a more traditional, unsubtle route for the film, but in the end, it just wasn't true to the character at all. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought of it like that at all. You know, that it wouldn't have been a realistic route for Draco given his character for, you know, for us to have a... A satisfying ending. Yeah, and one last one, which was which I thought was good, there was a YouTuber a video by Murphy Napier where she said that she really mm-hmm. liked that it was left open, but there was the kindlings of redemption, uh, but that it wasn't shown to us. Mm-hmm. She said that it would have been too neat uh, and there wasn't enough time for his redemption given the character Draco had been for the past six books. Yeah, I get that. I think it's nice to leave some things to the audience's imagination. And I mean, I'm the first one to complain if a story is too neatly tied in a bow. I don't know, there's still just something in me that wanted that for Draco. It's difficult. There are times when you can see how confused and conflicted he is, especially as Tom Felton does such a great job. Like when he doesn't identify Harry and he doesn't kill Dumbledore. But then a lot of the stuff that he does is kind of based in fear. I don't know how much I believe that Draco comes to a new conclusion or whether he still holds Voldemort's beliefs and is just kind of scared. For him to have a redemption, I'd kind of like need him to actually change and acknowledge that the pure blood supremacy stuff is disgusting. I don't know. It seems like he's mainly acting out of fear for me. Mm, Yeah, that's very true. I I don't think there is a moment where we feel like Draco's beliefs or morals have really shifted. And actually what you said just then made me think about Narcissa. When she chooses to tell Voldemort that Harry's dead, you know, she does it on the prerequisite, Draco's alive. Mm, yeah, she's not interested in like whether Voldemort wins. Yeah, or all these kids who are about to be killed. <laughs> no, no, she just wants to save her son, which is human because you sort of think politics and beliefs aside, people are always going to want to save their nearest and dearest. Mm. Um, but she does act on that. So I suppose there is a little bit of redemption for Narcissa. I wondered whether Scorpius was a kind of redemption because all the things I've read about like how Draco's a good dad and how he ends up in the cursed child working with Harry to save their kids and prevent Voldemort coming back. Perhaps it's a bit late in the game, but that is a sort of redemption. Yeah, I guess it's a little bit late, isn't it? I don't know why, but I never count the cursed child. <laughs> I think we both know why. <laughs> I really enjoyed it, but 
I don't know, part of me felt like you're kind of watching a knockoff, like it's some mm. fan fiction. <laughs> it is, which is fun, but it didn't feel like the canon. No. So I never really count it when I'm thinking about like what happened to the characters, which is obviously, you know, silly because it was great. When those Dementors flew into the audience, you know, that was incredible. Yeah, that was fun. Bridie actually got us tickets for my 30th. I am the best sister ever. I also took you to see the Tri... Um, not the Tri Wizard Tournament. And what am I trying I would to say? Have loved Goblet that. of Fire with a live orchestra yeah. at the Royal Albert Hall. These that are also, I would just like to say, treats for me. <laughs> that was incredible. There's always two tickets and there's always... Uh, I am the other ticket. Like, it's not like I'm like, oh, you and a friend. <laughs> yeah. And our brother, who we took along. Of course. Well... He, yeah, nearly didn't, had- he nearly didn't make it to the Royal Albert Hall because he, he rolled through from his Halloween party the night before. The rock and roll member of the family. Yeah, he's the rock and roll member of the family. <laughs> Can't relate. Um, but you haven't, you haven't felt emotion until you've watched Cedric Diggory die with a full orchestra. Oh, no, you haven't. You really haven't. It did kind of make me laugh when they started doing the... Do, 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 oh, I know! Do, do, do. <laughs> I mean, that song is forever cursed in the minds of um, Harry Potter fans. But anyway, absolutely. So what do you think Draco's motivation is? Like, if he's acting out of fear when he chooses to not recognise Harry, Ron and Hermione, even though his dad's like, you know, this will redeem us with the Dark Lord, do you think he's not doing it because he knows they'll be killed straight away? Well, Ron and Hermione would be. I think in that moment, he really doesn't want to be responsible for them being killed. And also thinking about when they're in the room of requirement and he's saying to Crab, no, don't kill him. The Dark Lord wants him alive. The way it's Mm. written and certainly the way it's performed, there's something else. It's not about, you know, getting Harry to Voldemort. I don't think Mm. he wants Harry to die, but he is very cowardly. I guess, though, it's hard to say that because like you said, if anyone in my family was being threatened, I'd be like, yep, here's Harry. Um, what do you think, you know, what do you think he's thinking in that moment? Or what do you think about him having a redemption in general? I mean, when I watch that cut scene of him throwing that one to Harry at the Battle of Hogwarts, mm. I do look at that and go, yeah, I wanted to see that. It would have been nice. Yeah. But I'm just a sucker for the bad boy gone good narrative, as we know. Yep, me too. I mean, I was trying to think of more reasons Draco could be having a resurgence. And I think there's something in fans feeling like they have unfinished business with a character. So when you think about Kylo Ren, you know, fans are like, hold on, don't kill him now. Yeah, you haven't given us Ben Solo for long enough. Yeah, exactly. So I think we wanted good Draco for longer, you know, so maybe there's something in characters and unfinished business that we cling to and create new narratives for them. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a nice human thing to do. Draco's a character that we've seen from the age of 11 and there's been a focus on him. He's clearly more complicated than other evil characters. You see, you know, his wavering feelings and you do feel quite sorry for him. He hasn't really got much going on other than like his family's status. Mm, yeah. And he was obviously a really pampered kid. So, you know, protecting them becomes his primary thing. But I think that, <laughs> I mean, you know, there's that pause when he, before he walks over to his dad um, and that there's that really dreadful hug between him and Voldemort, <laughs> which was improvised, I hear. Oh, yeah. Worst hug ever. Do you not like that it happened or? No, no, no. I like that it happens. Oh, right. Okay. It's just really painful to watch. Like I've hugged someone and then halfway through realized they didn't want my hug. 
Yeah, well, I mean, especially post-lockdown, you know, and I'm a hugger, so I've really had to rein that in. Oh, yeah. Huggers have no place in 2020. I keep going to the elbow pump, but it's not the same. Mm, Me too. I've definitely had a couple of situations where I've automatically gone for a hug and then realised that might not be what they wanted. (laughs) I usually ask, like, unless I get a strong sense that they don't want to. But even pre-COVID, I've hugged someone and then realised I just read the moment wrong. (laughs) Um, But anyway, that moment is horrible. Just that beat before Malfoy walks over and you just really want him to be defiant and be like, no, dad, this is the right side of history. But I, Mm. I do like that it's quite complicated. Also, just to come back to Snape, I am a fan of Snape, but like Sydney's article made me think, well, that's just a man who's been jilted and then felt bad. It was all Mm. about a woman that he loved. It was never really about his actual moral fibre. Yeah. You see, Snape, this is why you're in the friend zone. Well, it's jilted men who invented the friend zone. Draco's redemption is something I would like to see. So it's something I'm happy to indulge in the fantasy of. But I don't know if it would have actually, like, if I would have actually believed it. I don't know, but then maybe I would have, because there's been so many hints. I'm very confused. (laughs) I don't know. What do you think? (laughs) I think I would have consumed a Draco redemption arc like a tasty, salty snack. (laughs) Mm, Sweet redemption. Mm, So good. I would have swallowed that redemption whole. (laughs) It's Moorish, like Pringles. (laughs) (laughs) Did the filmmakers confirm ever why that scene didn't go in the film? Like, has that ever been acknowledged? Well, I saw some fans were saying that JK stopped it. Did she? I don't know if that's true. It was just a rumour, but, you know, because she's not a fan of Malfoy. Right. Like, I saw an interview where she was saying she was worried about the girls who liked Malfoy. Well, I mean, her judgement has been um, pretty off lately. To say the least. I love how, you know, people can create art, but at some point, it almost doesn't belong to them anymore. Yeah, it's bigger than you, my friend. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, you can also be wrong about things, and I feel like... By the Battle of Hogwarts, you can see him on the road to redemption and trying to take those steps, but there doesn't seem to be time for it because there's so Mm. much else going on. Well, he became a Death Eater at 16, didn't he? He must have seen some horrible stuff go down at Malfoy Manor over the years. Yeah, horrible. I read that Draco can't produce a Patronus. Oh, yeah. So fans have speculated that that's because he doesn't have enough happy memories. (laughs) Oh, that breaks my heart a bit. It's not actually something that's been said by J.K. Rowling, but... Yeah, it would make sense. Yeah. And also, asking Draco to kill Dumbledore is basically punishment for his dad's failures because, realistically, Voldemort knows Draco couldn't kill Dumbledore. So, I mean, it's just kind of to break him. It's horrible. Yeah. Although, interestingly, I've seen a lot of thirsty fan content um, about Lucius as well. No. Hmm. Now, there is where I draw the line. Look, Jason Isaacs is very handsome. (laughs) He's great. But Lucius is a snivelling, weak, vile character who treats everybody and he treats elves really badly. He's horrible. Oh, yeah. No, no, he's not good. And we're all hurting in different ways, but you can be hurt and not treat people really badly, which is something Mm. Malfoy should have remembered. Yeah, absolutely. I was always really impressed that you saw Snape's redemption coming. I remember you saying it to me when we were reading the books. Mm. Yeah, I think I saw it quite early on. I can't remember why. You were like, Snape's been told to kill Dumbledore. And I was like, no. Because, you know, we overhear them in the dark forest and Dumbledore says, you must be the one to do it. Oh, yeah. And then I peddled that theory to my friend Lauren, who then thought that I was very clever. (laughs) (laughs) Riding on my cloak tails, the story of your life. (laughs) Exactly. It's the thing that cyclists do when they cycle really close behind the person in front so that the person in front pushes all the air out of the way and it's a smoother journey for them. (laughs) 
You know what we uh, didn't mention in our previous Harry Potter episodes, but still always makes me laugh. When we were going through our Harry Potter phase, well, arguably still going through to some degree, but (laughs) when it was at its peak, um, and this is so sad, but I used to go to bed really trying to um, hammer into my subconscious to dream about Hogwarts. So I would just repeat to myself as I went to bed, dream about Hogwarts, dream about Hogwarts. Yeah. And well, I decided to um, help pursue this goal. It would be good to have a poster of Hogwarts <laughs> stuck up on my ceiling directly above my bed. So it'd be the last thing I saw at night. Mm-hmm. And I have a <laughs> memory of us putting together a very unsturdy contraption, which comprised of a sofa bed on top of my bed, you know, sort of risking life and limb to get this poster up there. I feel like I risked life and limb and you were directing. (laughs) (laughs) I think think you put the sofa bed on the bed and then got me up there and I was trying to blue tack it with my teeny tiny hands and you were like, no, more to the left. (laughs) (laughs) But you were so small and nimble. I know, (laughs) pushing me into the dangerous spots. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it did look good when it was up there though. Yeah. And I did dream about Hogwarts a lot. So it fulfilled its purpose. I mean, inevitably, it did fall on my face at some point in the night. (laughs) Um, That's probably a metaphor somewhere. (laughs) But yeah, long may Draco talk rain. Uh, I'm into it. I'm here for it. Oh, yeah. Actually, we wanted to make an audio for it, but I couldn't find a um, a sexy line of Dracos. You know, they're all just sort of sniveling Potter. Yeah, Potter. (laughs) (laughs) Great scene when Hermione punches him. Not that I condone physical violence. I condone some physical violence. (laughs) It wasn't a very Hermione thing to do, was it? No, it's not. As Sirius said, we've all got light and dark inside us. What matters most is the part we choose to act on. Exactly. We've talked about why people like complex and conflicted characters. You know, like we all live in our own heads, so know the best and worst of what we think. So seeing a character that's not wholly good, I mean, that's part of why I liked Ron, because he had some darkness to him and Harry did too. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, maybe in our show notes, we just put episode one in there, like start referencing ourselves (laughs) coming full circle, you know, podcast inception. Yeah. (laughs) I understand why some people would find Draco talk. A little bit odd. Yeah. Like I get that it's not to everyone's taste. I think most of the people making TikToks either fancy Tom Felton or are paying homage to when they fancied Draco when they were younger watching the films or teenagers who are his age in the movies and, you know, kind of seeing him like a boy they would fancy at school now. Yeah, exactly. I think what I feel about thirsty TikTok is that, you know, the videos I'm seeing aren't threatening. Mm. It's fans having fun with each other and they're not doing it because they think they're going to bang a fictional character. (laughs) They're doing it to make other fans laugh. Yeah, that's very true. That's a nice thing. Like thirsty TikToks are for other fans, really. Yeah, it's to bond within the community. It's not a, you know, seduction technique. (laughs) (laughs) And also like looking back and you do see new things, each generation is discovering it, but also like me as I get older, like the way that I'm now like, hmm, Snape. Lupin. Hello. Lupin. Thanks. Hello, Raymond. A whole new light. Or Sirius Black. We decided early on. Sirius Sex addict. <laughs> He's, he is a sex addict. He's too sexual for me. All the velvet smoking jackets. Also, his hair is too similar to mine. <laughs> That's also true. You could definitely cosplay Sirius on TikTok if you I wanted could. to. I could. It also crossed my mind that I could cosplay. Oh, I know it's not similar to Kylo's hair, but it's bob length. <laughs> you saying you could cosplay Kylo? It's just a thought. Friday, I don't, I'm not sure I could get on board with that. No, but I could cosplay Sirius very easily. Well, maybe you should. Maybe I should. Enough people like this 
episode. If this episode gets 5,000 likes, no. Bridie will cosplay serious. <laughs> Emma. This is absolute classic big sister behavior. If this, <laughs> if this podcast get, gets 5,000 downloads, Bridie will cosplay serious black. Stop saying and it. We'll, that doesn't and we'll, make it true. And we'll recreate putting a poster on top of the ceiling on my, in my old no, bedroom. we won't. The, yes, we will. I'm not as nimble as I was when I was like seven. Yeah, but we'll, we'll be taller. If anything, it'll be easier. Mm. And with brittler bones. <laughs> I'm not saying there's anything wrong with cosplaying serious. That's fine. I just can't bring yourself to do it. No, it's too close to home. All right, well, we'll see. Anyway... We should probably wrap this up. Sorry, we're, we're not sure how this is going to come across in the edit, if it's going to be a bit shorter than usual. But we really just wanted to hop in and, and respond to this trend. Um, mm. You know, normal service will resume next week. Yeah, we have a great episode next week about Princess Leia. Oh, it was emotional. Oh, it was. But it's been really fun talking about Draco. And I, you know, I still feel conflicted about him. Yeah, well, snivelling rich daddy's boy or misunderstood heartthrob? Let us know what you think. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to validate us by rating and reviewing us in the charts. It will really help us to keep this podcast going. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye for now. Bye for now.